Welcome back, everyone. This is the 14th episode of the Loud Hounds podcast. I'm Bobby McInnes, alongside my co-host Thomas Malone, and our guest today, Yogi Ahuja. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty well. Yeah, glad to have you on the show, Yogi. Thank you for having me. You know, last week you were uh, producing the show. You were more, you know, behind the scenes. And we were looking for that third person, and you stepped up to the plate. And we're excited to have you on. I'm excited as well. All right, so... Usually we don't talk about Loyola sports, um, except this weekend it was pretty exciting because the men's lax team defeated Johns Hopkins in a huge opening day matchup. Um, so Tom, I know you were at the game. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it was a really exciting game, especially with the rivalry between uh, <clears throat> Loyola Maryland and uh, Johns Hopkins. And you could really feel the intensity in the crowd as soon as you got there. Uh, it was a big game, and Loyola came out pretty, or actually Johns Hopkins scored the first goal. They kind of sent a message to Loyola, but Loyola responded really well, scored a few goals back, and uh, ever since then, Loyola had the game in hand. Yeah, and Yogi, uh, Johns Hopkins was ranked number 11 in the nation, so what, what does this win mean for the Greyhounds moving forward? It's definitely a confidence booster. A lot of confidence, a lot of energy, and Johns Hopkins was really good, and they're and rankings don't really matter, especially when you're a rival with the team. And um, Hopkins is like a very talented team and you know how we label it like Battles of Charles Street and a lot of competition, but it definitely has, has given Loyola a lot of confidence. Yeah, that was a huge win, like I mentioned, on opening day. And transitioning over to the basketball program, um, the men's team had a huge win against Colgate, a huge upset for them. Colgate, I believe they were 20-6 and six before the game. I believe they were 13-1 and one or 13-2 and two in conference play. Um, definitely um, the top dogs of the Patriot League this year. But Loyola won 84-80. And Tom, to talk a little bit about that, how big has it been for Loyola with uh, the addition of uh, Santi coming back? Yeah, ever since he's come back, they've uh, I think they're f they've won four of the last five games. Which he's been a huge boost for them. He's uh, he's a big guy that can shoot threes, which really opens up the the whole court for Loyola. And yeah, looking at that game on Sunday, I really didn't think Loyola had it in them to win that kind of game because Colgate's been playing great this season and they're leading the Patriot League as you said. But uh, since the uh, Patriot League tournament's starting in a week or two, come tournament time, this is gonna be a big confidence booster because they're the number one team in the Patriot League and uh, beating a team like them, you know you have a shot to maybe make it to March Madness. Yeah, no, it's a huge confidence booster for sure. Uh, like I mentioned, Colgate, they're the team to beat in the Patriot League, and with just about four games left in the regular season before uh, tournament play, uh, this is huge for the Greyhounds, you know, entering that tournament. So, in recent news, uh, I'm sure most people know by now, the Houston Astros have been caught in a cheating scandal. They were stealing signs, and there's a lot of controversy over that. People, um, fans across the nation really want to know, um, did they really deserve that World Series win? So, Tom, if you want to break that down a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I thought the, it was going to be over after the commissioner uh, said gave the Houston Astros their penalty and I thought that'd be it but uh, ever since spring the spring training has started and all the players are back working out uh, we've heard a lot more of it players like Mike Trout Aaron Judge stepping up uh, talking about how disgusted they are with with the Astros and how they can't look at them the same and it's well deserved because uh, a team that cheats to win a World Series or any championship in any sport should be looked down upon because if you're so good you shouldn't have to do that to win 
So I, I, I think all the fans are disappointed, and uh, it's good to hear that the players are also disappointed. Yeah, and Yogi, um, just to add to that, a lot of fans and players believe that the Astros should have their World Series title stripped. Do you think that um, you know they're deserving of that World Series ring, or do you also believe that you know they should be they should have that t- taken away from them? Well, there's a lot of controversy and there's a lot of unknown in the situation, but like when you know that a player from your own organization is going against your team, like that definitely brings up some questions. And like everybody in the MLB is getting more involved in this and it's getting to the point where nobody nobody like really wants to support the Astros, but honestly I can't really judge, but I would say that um, the Astros as of right now, there's not enough evidence to prove like that they were actually like cheat like cheating during the World Series and they they should keep it but like but like what what was going on during that time. So yeah. yeah. So do you think, you know, Astro fans, how do you think that they should feel about this? You know, should, is it embarrassing for them or do you think that they should stick by their team and, and support them pretty much during one of the roughest times that maybe any baseball team has ever gone through? It's definitely a, a very embarrassing time to be an Astros fan and it, and it hurts, but like, you know, in tough times, it's best to be close to your team. And then when they rise, that's what makes a sports fan. Like, because then there's a difference of a real sports fan and a bandwagon, what we call. And a bandwagon, you know, usually just wants to, like, you know, leave the team and go to a team that's having a good time. But, like, Astros fans need to kind of understand that they're having a downtime and things might have not gone right, but they still won a World Series. They've been doing good. They just need to hope that the Astros focus and kind of put this problem in their past. Yeah, and Tom, uh, spring training is right around the corner. I want to know what what are your thoughts about the Astros making it to the postseason again and perhaps winning a World Series? They're a very talented team, um, and many believe that they could have won without cheating. I just want to know your thoughts and uh, the outlook for them for the upcoming season. Yeah, um, I'm excited for the new season coming up, and the Houston Astros do have a lot of talented players in that system, but uh, we're not really sure how good this team really is uh, without cheating because it seems the last few years that they have been cheating, and uh, until we see how they play without it, we don't know how good this team this team actually is. They probably could have won without cheating, but they just lost a pitcher in Garrett Cole, who's now in the New York Yankees, so I think that they're still in control of that division, but um, come playoff time, we're going to have to see uh, how this team really is. Yeah, and you know, staying on the topic of controversies, uh, in the NBA, there's a controversy in the slam dunk contest. A lot of people thought that Aaron Gordon deserved to win, um, but Derek Jones beat him out, and both of them had great, phenomenal dunks. I mean, it's it was probably one of the best dunk contests that I've seen in a long time, um, probably since 2016. Um, and I want to know your thoughts about that. So, Yogi, a little more on All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend in general was great. We had a lot of fun time and close times, and the NBA was definitely doing something different from other sports leagues. And it's great that they have this weekend. But um, about that controversy, I think that, I mean, I haven't personally, like, really followed the the dunk competition, but um, I, I respect the guy who won it. Yeah, and do you think that some people were mentioning a shared title, perhaps both of them t- 
taking the trophy. I just want to know your thoughts about that. Like, um, do you think that that's, you know, justified? We've seen in the past where players have won joint MVP in um, a few different sports. And uh, so what are your thoughts about that? Do you think that a joint title is something that could have happened? Or do you believe that there should always be solely one winner? I definitely appreciate the idea of having like two MVPs or like two players getting an award because sometimes they're just really really good athletes and there's barely any difference and only like one mistake can lead to one being better and you know you can't rule out the importance of another player and it's not like that one player is better because of those mistakes. Yeah, no, you make a great point. And also, going back to what you mentioned earlier, you said that the NBA All-Star Game is doing something that other sports aren't. You know, the NFL Pro Bowl doesn't draw as much attention. Um, the MLB All-Star Game doesn't come close to the NBA All-Star Game either. So I just want to know, why is the NBA so successful in a game that really means nothing um, but draws such wide attention? The NBA has, like, a good connection with its great players, and... They always want to be involved in like any competition. It's not like NFL players when they hear the Pro Bowl, they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna quit." You know, I don't want to play. I want to like win. And you know, the Pro Bowl and the football season is put towards the end after teams have made the playoffs and after teams have tried their best. But in the NBA, it's more in the middle of the season, so everybody's still feeling fresh. Everybody's feeling healthy. And what I liked most about that game was that. It was it was very close and meaningful to the big players and in each league the big players are the most important. Yeah, and Tom, you know, this year in the NBA All-Star game, they modified the the rules and the style of play. The first three quarters um, were were more of a normal basketball game and then in the fourth quarter they uh, reset the scores and they, they it, there was no um, there was no time uh, you could say the clock was stopped um, there was only a shot clock going and they had a, a goal to reach a certain score and I believe it was um, 24 points in the quarter in honor of Kobe Bryant so what are your thoughts on the new format for the NBA All-Star Game? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think uh, the new format in this All-Star game for the NBA was uh, a great change because I think it made it more competitive. Um, we saw in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter uh, where both teams were trying to get to the, the 24th point, um, both teams were playing really aggressive defense, which we've really never seen in, in an All-Star game. We saw a charge called, which we've also never seen. Uh, it was just great basketball, which I think a lot of the fans really wanted to see. And I believe that um, each quarter that was won by either LeBron's team or Giannis, Giannis's team went to a charity. So I thought it was a great, great change that the NBA made and, and it really had the, the fans going. Yeah, I think the NBA really did a great job. Um, ever since the passing of Kobe Bryant, it's definitely been hard for a lot of the players and a lot of the fans as well. And they actually changed the name of the All-Star MVP award to the Kobe Bryant award, which I thought was the right move by the league. A lot of people were saying that they should change the NBA logo to Kobe Bryant, but I think that that's, uh, that might be a little bit too much, um, but definitely naming the All-Star MVP award after him is definitely the right move. And uh, so I just want to know, do you think that this is something that they're going to keep doing in the future with this format since it was so successful? I do. I do believe that they're going to stick with this format, especially after the result they got. A very close game came down to the last uh, few points. So I don't see why you wouldn't continue it. Yeah. 
And so staying with basketball now, college basketball has been really heating up this year. Um, the tournament's right around the corner, and there's a lot of teams who, you know, they need to start to make a push. Rutgers is one of them. We mentioned uh, we were singing their praises last week, but they've kind of fell off since then. Um, and so, Tom, I just want to know, what, like, what's the update in the NCAA right now? Yeah, it is. It's heating up a lot, and uh, we have a few good uh, games on tonight for ranked teams. Um, I see here Illinois and uh, Penn State. Uh, I really like Penn State in that matchup. Uh, Penn State has been really hot of late. Uh, they're scoring the ball at will, and Illinois is a great team. But I do like Penn State at home. And you mentioned uh, a great topic there in Rutgers. They do need to get a few road wins on their resume just because just to solidify their spot in the tournament. Because although they are undefeated at uh, home. They haven't really proven a lot uh, to go on the road and win a big game, which is which is big uh, come tournament time. So uh, I'm excited though. These last f uh, few weeks before the conference tournament starts, and then we got March Madness. It's going to really pick up. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, Yogi, I just want to know who do you think is you know what, who would you say is your team uh, to as a front runner, early front runner to win the March Madness tournament. I would say Duke because they're a big name and they've been consistent. And like now they're starting to beat a lot of the powerhouse teams like Florida State. They had a close one with Louisville, but they lost that one. But ever since then... UNC in overtime. Yeah, UNC in overtime. And that game was really clutch. Like once you gained all that confidence and you know you've been a good team, it's really hard to lose then. So I think Duke has a chance, but like they just have to like keep keep proving themselves. Yeah, you know, you made a great point. Duke is one of those teams that's been there before, and they're familiar um, with the tournament. And um, opposed to a team like Baylor, who is right now they're the one seed in all of um, NCAA, and they just don't have that familiarity with the tournament. They're not there every year um, like the big blue bloods. So, Tom, um, as a Kansas fan, what are your thoughts about Kansas heading into the tournament? Uh, I do like where they're at right now. They're sitting at number three in the country. Uh, they're on a really hot win streak right now. They haven't lost in a, in a while. But um, they got a huge game coming up at Baylor in, in a week or two. And that's going to really determine uh, if they're the real deal or not because they did drop one against Baylor earlier this season at Kansas. So that game's going to be on a huge watch alert. And um, I, I like where Kansas is at right now. They can definitely make a run in the tournament. They just got to be consistent. Sometimes they have uh, a tendency to play down to their competition. Uh, I hope they don't do that. But Baylor, Baylor's a great team, and this is one of the best Baylor teams I've ever seen. We, Baylor's usually competitive in the Big 12, but right now they're just they got size and they can shoot the ball and they play great defense, and that's all you need to win games. So. You know, you make a great point. I believe I said it last week as well, and I'm still going to ride with them. I love Auburn this year. Coach Pearl's done a great job. Um, Samir Dowdy and McCormick uh, in the backcourt, they've been playing a huge role for them. Um, so I really like Auburn, Auburn heading into the tournament. Um, and a team that I see right now that's ranked, I think, a little too high is Villanova. Um, right now they're a 12 seed, and they have some bad losses. Tom, they lost uh, three in a row, I believe, uh, over the last in the last two weeks so what are your thoughts on Nova yeah I personally do believe that they're ranked too high uh, I think they should have dropped more when they went on that that cold streak they're another team that, that usually plays well at home but doesn't really show up on the road and that's gonna hurt you come tournament time and uh, I know Jay Wright's a great coach and he's been there done that 
Um, but this team, this team needs to pick it up because the tournament's right around the corner and you can't be playing your worst basketball come tournament time. Yeah, and Yogi, just to transition uh, back to Loyola basketball, what do you think that they have to do uh, in order to try to make a run in the Patriot League tournament and hopefully uh, punch their ticket to the March Madness tournament? Well, after the win over Colgate, they have a chance of getting a bye in the tournament like the Patriots League tournament, and that is really, really important to make March Madness. And basically for that, they gotta keep, they gotta keep winning and be consistent. And then they just, they just gotta like hope they're kind of, they're, the Patriot League kind of like falls apart and then they gotta take advantage of that. Yeah, Tom, there's a lot of, I wanna say that there's a lot of depth in the Patriot League just because as far as the level of competition, it seems like everybody is right there and on the same playing field. We saw, like Yogi mentioned, the win over Colgate. That kind of just proved that anybody can, um, can win this conference. Yeah, and we also have to take a look at maybe if Colgate does not end up winning the Patriot League tournament, um, and the, the winner of the Patriot League tournament obviously gets a, an automatic bid to the March Madness uh, tournament. Maybe the NCAA has to look at maybe giving Colgate an at-large bid because they've had a great season. I believe they only have like six or seven losses, and they've been in the tournament in the past years. They put a great fight together against Tennessee last year in the tournament. So we could possibly have two teams from the Patriot League in, in the tournament, but this, this uh, Patriot League tournament is going to be wide open, I feel like, especially with Colgate dropping to Loyola on Sunday. But yeah, you have teams like American and Navy who are who are up there and, and can win it also. So it's I'm excited. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that it's possible that two teams could make it to the tournament from the Patriot League. I think that's got to be something that hasn't happened in a long time. Just because the level of competition, it's not the same as, you know, the Big East or the Big Ten, the SEC or ACC. There's a lot of, um, I'd say, mediocre Division One teams. Um, but nonetheless, that would be a great feat and a great look for the Patriot League conference as a whole. Yep. So just before we wrap up the show, the last segment I want, I want to talk a little bit about the NFL. I know we're still ways away, I believe, today, uh, a month from today, actually, where uh, free agency opens up. And then shortly after that, we'll be looking at the NFL draft. And speaking of the NFL draft, today news broke that Steve uh, Bartkowski, I believe, a former number one pick who was drafted to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, told Joe Burrow that he should do what Eli Manning did. Tom, you're a Giants fan, so obviously you're familiar with this. Eli Manning basically demanded uh, trade to the Giants. He said that he would not play for the San Diego Chargers uh, at the time, now the LA Chargers. And that worked out good for Eli Manning, but it was kind of frowned upon um, by the league, I would say, and by fans in general, because it seemed that he only had his eyes on one team, and that was almost unfair because the Chargers earned the number one pick that year and were not able to get the best player in the draft, you could say. Yeah, uh, I personally don't like um, how this guy came out and said that because the Bengals, I think, have an opportunity to put together a decent offense next year. I know they had a terrible record this season, but A.J. Green missed the whole season with uh, an injury. Joe Mixon didn't have his best year, but Mixon is a, a quality running back. He's he's young. He's still got uh, development in his future. And you get a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who had a, a tremendous uh, college season, and get a healthy A.J. Green back on the field, they can put together a defensive uh, a decent offensive scheme next season and I don't see the point of 
of demanding a trade because then who would he end up going to? Maybe if Miami trades up, he'd end up going to the Dolphins, but that's even more of a mess. So I, I don't agree with what this guy's saying. Yeah, Tom, I think that's what frustrates me the most is that the Bengals, like you mentioned, don't have that bad of a situation. I mean, they had um, a terrible season, and there is a new coach there, um, Zach Taylor. He just finished his first year. He will be there again next year. But, you know, they're young. They have Joe Mixon, like you mentioned. I'm not sure what's going to happen with A.J. Green or some of the other wideouts there. But... I believe that the Cincinnati Bengals are a better option than some of the ones that, that you mentioned, like the Miami Dolphins. I think that they have nothing attractive about them, So, and that's that would be the likely team that he would go to if he says that he's not going to play for Cincinnati. If there was a team that you know was already established, you could say maybe the Patriots, but they're not going to trade up. They're way too far back. They're not going to trade up for Joe Burrow. So if there is an established team higher up in the draft um, that would be an attractive team and would be willing to trade up, then I can maybe understand uh, why you would almost demand a trade and try to force your way to a certain team, but that's not the case this year. All right, so uh, Yogi, any closing thoughts? I would say the Bengals are a very good team and they have a future. Like, they've been consistent. Like, the AFC North is one of the most competitive divisions, but like I'd like I would say um, that um, the the Dolphins don't really have anything that Joe Burrow would like to go to them for, but the but I think the Bengals will provide Joe Burrow the home support and what he needs, and it's like all about momentum, and that's what what the Bengals can give, and he just has to build up from there. And about Loyola. They're, when they played Colgate, they never they never had a they were never losing at any point. They always had a lead, and that shows how strong of a team they were. Yeah, I believe they were up at uh, by 17 at one point earlier in the game. Before later in the game, they ended up winning by four, um, just because of foul shots and you know the garbage time you could say. But you you make a great point. They led the whole way, which is very impressive. All right, well. This has been the 14th episode of the Loud Hounds podcast. I'm Bobby McInnes uh, with Thomas Spallone and Yogi Ahuja. And thank you always to Greg Com Studios for helping us out. Um, it's been a pleasure, and we'll see you next week.